Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Put, uh, we've, uh, in my time with you on Wednesday nights, um, I've been just ministering on faith. And because um, uh, we're a faith church, we believe God. I said we believe God. And uh, we're, uh, you, know, uh, you know, believers know how to do something real good. They know how to believe, believe praise God. Amen. So Jesus said, uh, you know, in this text here in Mark eleven twenty two, he says, have faith in God. Well, sometimes that seems like a dust statement, but in all honesty, it's a fair statement because in all honesty, not everybody is necessarily putting their faith in God. The word faith, again, the Greek word pistis, uh, which means to believe in or have belief in. Uh, thank you, Mom. Appreciate that. Um, it means to uh, have confidence in, reliance upon, to have dependence upon, praise God. Uh, to trust in. In fact, the uh, Bible word uh, for faith in the Old Covenant is the word trust. Amen. It's more apt to be used as the word trust. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not just a piece of it, right? Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Uh, have faith in God. Amen. Just another way of saying that. Praise God. Uh, put the Amplified up, if you will. Praise God. It says it this way. Jesus said, have faith in God, and it adds this to it, constantly. I like that, right? Everybody say constantly. constantly. Not just when the going's getting good. Come on, somebody. But even in the pressure moments, we've got to be a people of faith. We've got to walk in faith. Amen, right? Hallelujah. Am I right? right. Amen. Well, see, I think I gave one like maybe the message translation. Let's go ahead and toss it up there. Uh, Jesus said, uh, was matter of fact, embrace this. And this, this is why I wanted to read this one. Embrace this God life. Everybody say God life. Because it's a life of faith, right? That's, what, that's how we live. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Amen. We're going to see that here in a minute. Really embrace it. In other words, this God life, and nothing will be too much for you. Praise God. Amen. Even this mountain, for instance, you say jump, jump into the lake, right? And what'll do? No shuffling, no shilly shallying. Oh, hallelujah. And it's, amen, as good as done. Praise God. Amen. I just about sang a, a Disney song on that one. No shilly shallying. Never mind. I've got to move on. Hallelujah. But uh, praise the Lord. Uh, let's go uh, put, uh, let's see, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 10, that's it, 1038. It says, now the just, that's you and me, shall how? How we live? live we live by faith, praise God. We conduct life, live life, do this thing, amen. We walk this thing, we shall live by faith. Now the just means the justified, the righteous, uh, they're all the same Greek words, just depends on how it's used in a sentence, but that's you and me. The word says that we've been made the righteousness of God. Amen. Right? Based on what Jesus did for us. Amen. Uh, you're not righteous because really of anything that you did other than the fact you received Jesus. Amen. So he now has made you justified or made you righteous, praise God. Come on. Right? Sometimes we, people mix up uh, righteousness and holiness. Holiness is about how you live and how you conduct life, whereas righteousness is who you are. In Christ, you're righteous. Amen. In Christ, you're just or justified. Amen. So he's talking about you and me. The just, that's how we do it. Us, we live by faith. Amen. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Or literally means no, it brings no satisfaction to the heart of God. Amen. So faith is about moving forward, not about backing up. Amen. So we move forward. Faith is about taking territory, taking ground. Amen. It's about believing. Amen. It's not about laying back and letting the enemy run us over. Are you hearing me? Faith is about moving forward. It's about, amen, being who you're called to be. Amen. 
So we live by faith. The scriptures are pretty clear. We stand by faith. Amen. We run by faith. Uh, we, we gain our promises by faith. Amen. We overcome by faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be a faith person. Praise God. Now, how many know faith is not a movement? Because I've had people say, well, you know, you're one of them faith guys. Well, yes, I am. You should be too. Amen. That's how we're supposed to live, right? But I know what they're saying. They're saying, oh, you're one of those, uh, you know, Haganites or Copelandites or whatever they want to say. They use some uh, man or woman of God that uh, preaches a lot about faith or has in the past, and, and they want to make it sound like it's some movement. Amen. Now, they're just teaching what the Bible says. We walk by faith. Amen. And I praise God for the men and women of God, amen, over the years who have stood their ground preaching on the thing called faith. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So we're one of those two, I guess, that preach on faith. And you're a, a congregation that lives by faith. Amen. Look at your neighbor say, see, I told you, that's, that's about, it's all about you right there. Look at that. You're, you're living by faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. What we're going to talk about today is the steps of faith. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a man named Abraham a little bit. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Romans 4. Romans 4, please. Are we all doing good? Hallelujah. Now, did we take the wind out of your sails a little bit earlier, or what? Y'all doing good? All right, all right, all right. This is how this works. All right. Romans 4 and 11, we're just kind of coming in the middle of a, a deal here, talking about a man named uh, Abraham here. And verse 11 says this, And he received uh, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, uh, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Amen. Now, later on, he's called literally the father of our faith. Okay. Now, the word father in itself, of course, just you know, refers to like father-like or father image or father figure. Uh, it means a forefather. Uh, it even refers to a parent or an ancestor or, or predecessor. Okay. Um, somebody called me four. Uh, patriarch, it kind of also fits that same thing. Um, somebody has gone before us, amen, but a father-like figure, amen. So he is a father, amen, of all those who believe, though, he, though, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed uh, to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps, everybody say the steps, the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now, of course, a lot talking about circumcision here, and that may come up here before we're done with this whole thing, because really it was the sign, in the end it was the, it was the sign of the covenant, amen, that he entered into with the father, praise God. And so, uh, but it says here that there were steps that he took even while he was still uncircumcised, in other words, right up to his circumcision. Okay, there were steps. Everybody say steps. And it says that we're called to also walk in those steps. Are you hearing me? So we want to go back and take a look. Okay, then what were the steps? Okay, what was it that he did that signified his faith that in the... Really, what it, it signified then was he became then the father of our faith. 
Amen. In other words, the father-like, he's somebody we could look to, we could follow, a forefather, amen, that if we're going to be a people who walk by faith, amen, a people who live by faith, a people who stand by faith, a people who run by faith, a people who, praise God, believe in faith, amen, then, then what, does it, what is it we, what kind of steps do we take, right? Okay, so we got to go back into Genesis, so we're going to hang out in Genesis, most of the time here anyway. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> Doing good? Yeah. All right. Now look at your neighbor and say, I got an ear to hear. How about you? Yeah, hallelujah. All right. Let's talk about some of these steps, okay? And I really, I'm just going to bring out really a, a, a probably about, if I got time, I think I will, you know, maybe four different steps here. All right. So uh, Genesis 12 and verse 1. Let's go ahead and read a few verses here. It says this, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Amen. That's really how it works. You know, God wants to bless you so you could be a blessing, right? That's where it started here, okay? And I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. I will, you know, I'm going to take care of you. Amen. I'm going to, I got your back here. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham then departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, which is his, brother, his brother's son. Now, his brother had already died. And so basically what it is, is Lot was uh, his brother's son. So he, this is his nephew. And so kind of what's happened is Abraham's kind of taking it upon himself to take care of, of, of Lot. Kind of just, I guess, in a sense, you know, felt, felt some uh, pull to, you know, take care of him. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about maybe Lot here in a minute, too. But uh, it said, and Lot went with him, and Abram was, okay, 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, this is where they were. Okay, and the chapter before kind of gives a little bit of a description of some things there. Uh, the family, his brothers, and all that kind of stuff. And it's where it tells where his brother died and all that stuff. Okay, so we're just kind of taking it in from there. Now, the first thing that we find out here is uh, really the first step that he took was just a step of obedience. I mean, obedience is key. I mean, if you're going to do this thing, if you're going to walk this thing, you gotta be willing to, you're going to have to be willing to follow it. I mean, it's just key, right? I mean, you got to be obedient. you got to be willing to, to, to follow. The Word says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. All right? So to eat the good of the land or the best the land has to offer, it means, amen, if you want to eat the best the land has to offer, then you got to be willing and obedient. Come on, right? So that's the key there, and that's a whole sermon probably in itself. Uh, even the book of Job says that if you, if you obey and serve Him, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Right? Come on. So that's, that's a good 401K. Come on. Uh, you know, that's good retirement there. If you just, you know, if you will just serve God and obey, amen, it'll leave you in, in, in good place. Come on, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, talking about the blessing. In verse uh, 2, I believe it is, it brings out that all these blessings will come upon you if you just obey the voice of God. So when God leads and you just obey, amen, these blessings, then all the ones he talks about will come upon you and then overtake you. Just based on taking the step of obedience. Just follow through with it. Amen. 
Make some movement toward it. Now, Abraham didn't do everything perfect. We're going to find that out here in a second. But Abraham did make movement. He did leave where he was at because he was told to leave where he was at. Come on. And go to a different land. Amen. And he did that. And that was the start. That was one of the first steps he took. Amen. Was a step of obedience when he knew that he heard from heaven. He followed it and went. Praise God. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So when God leads, it's a good thing to follow. Right? I mean, it's good to be obedient when God leads. I mean, most of the time what happens, uh, you know, I've seen uh, people uh, usually know when God's kind of directing them. The people might say, well, I've never heard God, but they, they have a witness. I mean, um, I took the time uh, years ago, went all the way just through the book of Acts, found every way that God communicated uh, to Saul, the apostle. Paul, I should say. Paul, let's change to Paul. So, Apostle Paul. And so, uh, uh, there was, I believe, nine different ways that God communicated to him. Nine different ways. Okay? It wasn't, well, there was one time it was an audible voice, but how many know that doesn't happen all the time? I mean, sometimes we think, well, wouldn't it be great if God just always talked in an audible voice? No, it ain't. <laughs> you don't want everybody knowing your business. Come on, right? They're just all different kinds. Now, most of the time, it's an internal thing. Most of the time, you just get a witness. You're going along, and you know in your heart. You know, sometimes the Spirit of God just says, this would be a good time to shut your mouth. It's, that's, a, that's a great leading. And if you follow it, it's a great step. Come on, somebody, right? Sometimes, you know, he might talk to you about your relationships, or he might talk about your attitude, or he might talk about, uh, you know, uh, something that you need to, a step you need to take as far as, uh, you know, maybe with your, uh, your possessions or with, uh, you know, maybe just something that you need to, a confession of faith you need to stand on or a verse you need to stand on or some kind of thing. I mean, he'll just start leading you in different ways. It first takes people to, to obey it, praise God. Now, what I was going to say was this. A lot of times, people always kind of, they'll come up and they say, well, the Spirit of God's telling me this and telling me that and telling me this and telling me that. And I think, praise the Lord. Right? I mean, it's great to get leading. Amen. But it's even better to follow the leading. Right? And sometimes we have a tendency to just kind of talk through it. We might say, well, I believe God's telling me this. And then we just somehow we appease our conscience and never follow through with stuff. I know it's none of you. It's all the people watching by Internet right now. I know. So come on. No, we've all been guilty of this mess, right? How many know obedience is key? That's where it starts. Okay, just the little biddings, the little promptings. Amen. And so obedience is the first step. Abraham began to follow, amen, when God led. Praise God. Now, how many know he didn't necessarily do it exact? And what he didn't do exact, amen, gave him some fits. So it really pays to follow God, right, and do what he says the way he said it. Come on, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, uh, you know, uh, what did uh, one brother said? I don't know if I get this right, but I, something like, uh, uh, we must do what others won't to achieve what others don't. You know, if you want to if you want to achieve what you want to achieve, then you got to be willing sometimes to do it. Most people just don't ever do. Most people just don't follow God. And if you just be willing to follow God, you're probably going to achieve some things that most people never achieve. Remember, the blessings attached to it. Right. 
right? You're going to eat the good land that's attached to it. If you, it, it, you know, the days of prosperity and years of pleasure is attached to it. So obedience is key. Amen. So, praise God. First one, steps of obedience. But let's look at something else here, all right? Let's go to chapter 13 real quick. Chapter 13. Hallelujah. I know I'm skipping a little bit there, Karen, but chapter 13. Let's go to verse, uh, I think I got verse 14 is what I got on your notes here, or my notes. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the lands which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. All right, so this is pretty big. He's basically repeating the blessing here. Arise, walk in the land through its length, through its width, and I, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree in, in Mamre, and which are in Hebron. And, and built an altar there to the Lord. Now, what's happening is, this is now uh, the next step, really, which really was just clearing up the first step. Everybody say the step of separation. Okay, now let me kind of clarify that. That's just kind of my term there. You can call it whatever you want. But bottom line is, um, you know, there are things sometimes uh, that we need to kind of separate ourselves from. Sometimes it's the world's pull. In this case, it was a family member. Now, ultimately, or, or probably I should say initially, maybe a better word, initially, he said, leave your country. 12.1 says, leave your country. In other words, leave where you're at, amen, and leave your family. Uh, the book of Acts brings out, uh, leave, leave your relatives. Just kind of makes it clear, you know. All right. Now, that didn't mean, you know, maybe we didn't necessarily get told that, right? We know Abraham was told that, right? right? But the idea was, Abraham, you need to separate yourself from all the other pull that's here. If you're going to do and be and operate in the way that you're supposed to, then you have to separate yourself from some things. All right? Well, that's still a clear step for you and me. If you're constantly letting the world pull on you, I guarantee it's going to mess up the process. Remember, we live by faith. Part of faith is reliance and dependence upon. So if we're going to live by faith in God, we're going to rely on God, depend on God, and not let the world or any other thing dictate and pull on us. We're not against family. We're not against... In fact... The Word even says this. The Word says, Jesus Himself said in John 17, He says, You're in the world, but you are not of the world. Okay, you're here, you're operating in it, but you're not of it. So when you let it dictate what you're now becoming is a part of it. That changed. Jesus also made it clear about family. He says, if you love uh, mother, brother, dad, mom, more than me, you're not even worthy to follow me. Now, that you think, gee, that's so harsh. He's trying to say, listen, you can't, let, you can't even let family determine your decisions. He didn't say, you know, you know, divorce your family. He just says, listen, anytime you let your family be a greater pull on you than what he is, then we're going to have trouble. Because you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. You're not going to end up, am I, am I losing you or are you all with me? No, 
Listen, God ain't against family, but I'm going to tell you what, I've seen more people miss the call of God on their life because of their family. Because they're more concerned about positive affirmation. And this is kind of how it came to me. We got to get free from negative influences and positive affirmation. I don't need my family to agree with everything I do when I'm following God. In fact, they all thought I was kooky. They don't know more. Well, there might be a few moments, but for the most part, they don't anymore. But in the beginning, when I made a decision to follow God, they thought, geez, you're out to lunch. Right? The world always thinks you're out to lunch. You know, we at least thought maybe our family would love us through it. Right? Because we're blood. Right? You know? You think it'd all be, yay, go. Don't always happen that way. Uh, you know, put, uh, Karen, I know I've kind of really botched up the notes here. So uh, put, uh, I believe it's John 8. Uh, you have that reference right there close. Throw that one up there real quick. John 8. Did I give you that one? All right, put that up. Uh, Jesus answered. I tried to pull mostly all the verses that deal with something about Abraham, Okay. Uh, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Because this, uh, this is really the, uh, the I believe it, I want to say the Pharisees might even be the ones talking to him here. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, uh, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse uh, 40, please. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Did I give you any more? Just those two. Okay. Now, the bottom line is this. They're claiming to be family. And he's letting them be known, well, if you were family, if you were truly family, you'd hook up to Father Abraham. But you, you're claiming your family, and you're trying to kill the messenger here. He says, obviously, family doesn't always gel. Are you still hearing me? Come on, that's the truth. All right, we can go on and on different verses that deal with this. Amen. And again, I love my family. But I don't wait for some confirmation or affirmation from my family to determine whether I'm going to follow God or not. Amen. Thanks, John. I appreciate your support here. <laughs> Come on now. Amen. See, this was something that Abraham had to find out. Abraham, why'd you even bring Lot? Well, I felt responsible. You know, his, his dad died, and, you know, I felt responsible for the kid. Well, now you got problems. In fact, if you back up in, in John uh, 13, or probably Genesis 13, pardon me, Genesis 13, and it talks about where what the problem was is they're in they're, they're kind of a tight area, of land here, and they got all of Lot's family and all their herdsmen, and you got uh, Abraham's family and their herdsmen, and all that kind of stuff. You know, all the uh, the diff the two uh, basic families, and then all the herdsmen, and then it goes on talking about uh, the Canaanites and the parasites. I want to say, but I know it's parasites, but it looks like parasites. Amen. And because uh, that's what they were, they dwelled also in the land. 
Now, listen. So they're, they're hanging out alongside these other herdsmen from these other tribes. And so pretty soon now we've got strife and contention going on. Somebody says, well, you know, there wasn't, you know, the land was pretty tight there. Well, it was tight, but the problem is we got no blessing rolling because strife, contention, dissension, discord, and everybody thinks they're justified. And all it is is the world. And then it affected part of the family. It affected both families, to be honest about it. Amen. And then it, it created a wedge that then split this family in two. Come on. And uh, so Abram and Lot. And the problem was, remember now, Lot goes off. Of course, they, you know, basically what it turned out, Abraham said, okay, listen, whatever, fine. We just need to be, you got to go one way, we'll go another. You just pick whatever land you want, and you can have it, and I'll go the other way. Well, of course, Lot goes, I want the green stuff, right? So he goes and takes the good land. Come on. Abraham goes the other way, but it ain't long. The next chapter, they're having to, he's got to go fight for Lot to bail him out of his problems. And we have one issue after another issue with that. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, okay, first step, a step of obedience. But the thing is, you're going to want to make sure you walk what God says do. And if there's other pulls on you trying to, trying to get you to go another way or do another thing, then you need, to, you need to inside make a decision. Do I care more about what heaven thinks or about what earth thinks or my family or whatever it is that's pulling on you? And you have to make that decision and, did, and then make a quality choice to say, you know what? I choose God. Now, that you work with me here. We'll get through this one fast. All right. So the idea is we want to do what God says. So there's always going to be this thing where you have to say, okay, I need to be done with this. I can't be listening to this anymore. I can't be hearing this anymore. I can't be letting that thing dictate. See, it's a step of separation. Abraham had to make a decision. I love you a lot, buddy, but this ain't working. Okay? And had to make a decision even about some worldly things. And you see that off and on with some things he deals with coming up. All right, so let's, uh, so uh, anyway, first one was a step of obedience, a step of separation was the second one. And here's the next one in Genesis 15. Go to there, kind of move right on here. <clears throat> you know, uh, this, this is, I, I got to get this statement out because I, I felt like this, this fits. Um, you know, he says that you're, in J John 17, he says that you're in the world but you're not of the world. He told me that's the same thing with your family. See, they could all even be saved. Okay, you're, come on, you're, you're in that family, but you're not necessarily of that family because you're in a new family. See, you're, you, know, you know I'm your relative. Yeah. Now, I know that made some people nervous right there, but... But you're now in my family. Because you're a new creation in Christ. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, I ain't telling you, ignore your family now, divorce them, all that kind of thing. That ain't what I'm saying. I'm just saying, listen, when you start recognizing the fact that, wait a minute, I'm of a whole different kingdom now. I'm gonna, I mean, the word even brings out, you're an alien here now. You know, beam me up, Scotty. Come on. Right? I mean, it's like you're, you're, a, you're of something different. It's not, it's not like it used to be. Amen? So I, I can't let... You know, just because I'm in this family, I don't, I don't, this family does not dictate my life. I follow God. Still with me? Amen. Amen. And if we do that and train our, uh, you know, our children that way, and hopefully they grab hold of that and they continue that same thing. Good thing we got through that one. Man, that was, that was rough. Okay, Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. You notice every time God's talking to him. Okay? So the word of the Lord came to him in a vision, all right, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding, exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? In other words, I still haven't, I, you know, I, haven't, I don't have any kids yet, right? All right? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, that's just one of the herdsmen, you know, the family all that became basically part of his family, right? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. So he's trying to get you to look naturally. In, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, one of the herdsmen's families, the kid was born in my house, and I just kind of look at him now. He's, my, he's like my kid, you know. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one, here we go, who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look, you said, you want to you be moved by what you see? Then I'm going to give you something else to look at. Okay? Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Now, I guarantee you back then they could see more stars than probably most of us can now. Because there's no city lights. There's no, I mean, it's just, okay. So you can imagine him trying to count and then losing count. Had to start over. And that was the idea. God was trying to say, listen, you wanna, what we want to do is we want to get you to take another step here. Okay. So to me, this is just how I'm wording it. Okay. Uh, I'm calling it a step of impossibility. In other words, praise God, stepping into a realm. I, want, I need you to begin to try to step into a realm where all things are possible. I need you to begin to step beyond the realms of limits. I mean, no, that's a choice you got to make. You got to be able to see that God really is able to do all things, that there is really nothing impossible for God, Amen. that all Things are possible, not only for God, but the word even says, for those who believe. So if I can get you to step, in a sense, draw that line in the sand and say, now I'm no longer backing up, I'm moving forward, praise God. I am going to believe God for impossibilities. He's trying to say, listen, you're too moved by a natural thing. I need you to take another step, amen, a step of Amen. An impossible. Amen. Or am I saying that right? I don't know if I misworded that. Yeah, steps of impossible. In other words, step beyond impossibility. There we go. That might be a better way of saying it. Still with me? So right now in the natural, it looks too hard. Listen, we've all been here. 
And sometimes we're more moved by what we see in the natural. God says you got to get past that. you got to take a step past that. Don't let that thing hang you up, praise God. Start seeing that nothing is impossible. And you got to settle that. I said you got to settle that. Or you're going to constantly be dictated to by whatever the world tells you or whatever anybody else tells you. Or whether the, whatever the enemy tells you. When we're dealing with health issues, you better take that step right there. You're dealing with financial issues, you better start taking that step. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to end up no different than the world. And listen, we're not condemning anybody. We're not, we're not belittling. We're not, we're not uh, you know, somehow, somehow, you know, you know, condemning you in any way, shape, or form. We're just saying, listen, somewhere, you know, take the step. This is what Abraham, Abraham had to realize. Okay, I'm looking at myself saying, I don't have any, you know, it looks like I'm not going to have any kids. And so now he's talking to God. He's just saying, I just don't understand why you don't give me any kids. I don't have no kids. Well, he just looked. He says, well, I'll tell you, let me give you something to look at. Let's, I need you to come outside. Get out of your tent. Now look up. Okay? You want to look at something, let's look at this. Because i got to get you beyond these walls of containment that you've got yourself wrapped in here. And I need you to step beyond that into a realm where all things are possible. Where nothing is impossible. Amen. I mean, when you're dealing with something in your home, this is a good thing to get a hold of. Otherwise, what happens is um, we buy into whatever the enemy puts, uh, you know, throws at us, uh, or whatever anybody else says. Uh, well, you know, the last time somebody had that, or the last time somebody did that, well, this, and then pretty soon that's what you're buying into. And the whole time God says, whoa, 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 that's not, that's not for you. You're part of a different family. You're part of a different household. You're part of a different kingdom. We operate different. But you have to take that step. You've got you you to be able to step beyond that and settle it, praise God. That no matter what you're looking at, nothing is impossible with God. It may not look good. It may not feel good. It may not even smell good. But nothing is impossible with God. We live this way. We live by faith. And this is just one of those steps. Oh, hallelujah. Romans 4, put that one up on the board, if you will, verse 20 and 21. This, of course, is after Abraham got a hold of it, right? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, praise God, and being fully convinced. That's what we want to get to. Be fully convinced that what God had promised, right, he was also able to perform, or he's also able to perform. So whatever God promised in this word, he's also able to bring it to pass in our life. Now you stop and you think, well, how do I know whether I've taken that or not? Well, is there question marks? If there's a question mark, you're not fully convinced yet. Now, again, no condemnation. The Word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So you just sit down start meditating on that Word again. Plug in another, 
CD or DVD or something online, get something, praise God, get some faith pumping into you, praise God. So you get to the place where you're being fully convinced that whatever God promised, whatever it is you're believing for, because we all have different things we're believing for. I mean, there's probably a lot of similarity in, in a lot of things, but we all have certain things that we're, we're trying to press through, certain things that we're trying to overcome or trying to conquer in our lives. Amen? And there's a promise for every one of those things. Still with me? Okay, am I boring you tonight? All right. So uh, it's another step to take. So if, we, if there's a question mark, again, there's no condemnation if there's a question mark. But you don't ignore the question mark. Because we get concerned, you know, how everybody's looking at it, they might think we're not spiritual. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. If there's a question mark, deal with the question mark. Just jump back in this thing. Let's get this thing rolling so we, we, don't, we don't question it anymore. If God said he provides, he provides. God said he heals, he heals. Hallelujah. Right? I mean, you got to settle it. Because that's a part of getting your answer. Because if you're wavering, James made it clear. If you waver, if you're up and down, if there's question marks, don't think you're going to receive anything. It literally says that. Don't think you'll receive anything. Because you're up and you're down. You're like a wave of the sea. And so he's not, he's not poking fun at anybody. He's not saying, oh, ye of little faith, you, 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 you. He just says, listen, if there's a question mark, we got to deal with it because you're probably not going to get your answer. So it's a step we got to cross. Somewhere along the line, we got to take that step and settle it. Whew. Sometimes these are life and death things. I mean, well, maybe some things, maybe it just, it's just, you know, we look at it and we don't think, well, it's not a big deal, but um, I've found that you, you work on this when the things ain't so big. So when the big thing comes around or if it ever comes around, you're prepared. Don't wait for, you know, the, the evil report to slap you upside the head before you finally said, oh, maybe I should believe God. Amen. Now, you should believe God, <laughs> but, uh, but we, we want we to we already have it settled, praise God. You know, you'll find that the majority of the battle's already won if you just settle it. And then, you know, then it's just a matter of just certain, you know, things that you walk out and step out and do and say, and pretty soon it just clears up, and here we go. All right, so um, let's see. I don't want to do this one. Um, let's do, uh, let's go to Genesis 17. Actually, what, what had happened after that was the blood covenant happened. Um, um, yeah, I think I better maybe I can take a minute and do this here, that real quick. Um, the blood covenant happened, so basically God explained to him, take, you know, uh, he mentioned several animals, take these animals, and they cut them in half, and you, you separate them, and you, you just leave them lay there in a, in a row. And what, what they call is the blood walk, and what it is is the, it's the blood covenant. Abraham knew exactly what was going on. And so uh, we see the, the whole story where he's cut these animals in half. He's got them laying there, and there's just blood everywhere. And so he knows what's, what's, what that means. So he fights off all the buzzards and everything else that come to try to 
take the animals because he knew there ain't no, ain't no, ain't no other buzzard or anything that will take what's mine here. Come on, right? Because he knows what's, what this means. So he, he, he kind of dozes out and basically wakes to seeing God okay, walking through the halves. So God entered into a blood covenant, come on, which means everything of mine is now yours. And you'll notice Abraham didn't. But God said, everything that's mine is yours. I got your back now. See, the blood covenant. So that begins to change some things. All right? It's, it's worthy of mentioning. Now, we, of course, we love to do a whole we do a year of Sundays just talking about blood covenant. But uh, so he, he takes, this all happens in front of him. And uh, so uh, Abraham gets it. So God said, there's a seed coming through your loins. He gets it. <laughs> yeah, blood covenant, mine. But Sarah wasn't convinced, right? Dude, you go out at night, you get these crazy dreams or something, whatever it is you're having. You're out in the sun all day or something, I don't know, you're counting stars now. Dude, you're... And she doesn't believe it. Of course, what happens? She says, listen, you know, you're so stuck on this. Fine, here, here's Hagar. And of course, mistake. Come on, Abraham didn't do everything perfect, did he? But he got it, and he, we have a little one. Still with me? Now, chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, and I didn't give Karen this verse, but the last verse in chapter 16, verse 16, said Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. We have 13 years of nothing. Now, the point being, okay, don't forget, you know, the step of obedience. Don't forget the step of separation. Amen. Don't forget, right, because God in the beginning told him, right? So now in chapter 17, he's repeating himself. Listen, I said you're going to have one through your loin, but so... With Sarah, <laughs> your wife, right? Come on. So, you know, and of course, to this day, we still deal with some of this. It's just, you know, anyway. Now, um, one brother said this, or whatever we compromise to gain, we'll ultimately lose. Another, uh, I remember one time, someone pretty dear to me had, made a statement one time in early in ministry, and they told me, they said, whatever you start in the flesh, you got to maintain by the flesh. And uh, Ishmael was the thing by the flesh. You know, he got it for himself, understood that obviously his body, in a sense, there was a resurrection that took place in him. And, uh, but he still, amen, did something 
took some bad advice, and as a result, it, it, um, we had some issues. And just in the beginning, it should have told us 13 years of silence. We don't have any more record of God talking to him in those 13 years. Okay, so anyway, so let's get to the good news. Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him again, right, and said, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, uh, and I believe there's a reason he fell on his face. Hello, somebody. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. He's repeating himself. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. There's a whole message in that by itself. For I am, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make uh, nations of you, and kings shall come uh, from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God with you and uh, your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of the Canaan, uh, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh uh, of your foreskins, as it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. All right. Now, he let it be known, this still is, is on, right? Except we've got to do it right this time, right? And of course, he gets it right. I said he gets it right. All right, everybody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He gets it right. Now, what I believe the next one was, uh, and I just call it this, I just call it a step of commitment, okay? Now, you kind of would almost think it's already kind of in this, but... What he's talking about from here on out, you gotta, you're going to have to settle it, amen, um, stay committed to me no matter what. Now, to me, the reason this became so important is because we even found that out when it came time to Isaac. So Isaac now, isn't, we're talking just real shortly here now, Sarah obviously gets a hold of it, come on somebody, and we have an Isaac, all right? All right, and then we got a little bit of story that happens with all that, but Isaac, okay, is now, you know, a the the promised child and God wants to know am I are you committed to me or something else my covenants with you are you are you seeing it the same way I'm connected with you are you connected with me Everything I have is yours. Now, is everything that you have, is it mine? See, then we have the circumcision, which was the sign. In other words, bloodshed, sign of the covenant. Anyway, the circumcision. So, basically, have you settled it, Abraham? That everything that's yours is mine. Well, if I asked you that, you'd say yes, right? Because we know the right answer. 
Now, we might not mean it, but maybe in our heart, or maybe we could say, uh, you know, in our head, and maybe, maybe in our heart we'd say, yeah, everything that's mine is his. But when the pressure's on is when we really find out, right? You never really find out where you're at in those things until you really got at that place. Right? I mean, listen, I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, we, we'd all like, we just know the right answer, but it comes down to that moment. And so in chapter 22, we see that moment really comes down for him. Um, are you willing to offer up the promised child? Now, we know God didn't want to do that. It wasn't the thing, but he want, Abraham didn't even bat an eye. Next day, they put up, packed up everything, headed to where he had to head to. Heads up the hill, praise God, tells, literally says to the, those that went with him, uh, you know, stay right down here, me and the boy are going up, and he said, we'll be back. Even Abraham, but the, the book of, uh, I, don't, I don't have time to go to that verse, but in, in, uh, in Hebrews 11, it says he literally saw God raising his son up from the ashes. So he was settled. I'm going to do this. And he said, but God can't take away the promised child because it's the promised child. He can't take that away from me. So obviously, God's going to raise him up out of the ashes, and I'm going to get to see something pretty cool. Now that's... And so we know the story. You know, he, the boy even gets tied up, it says, and laid on the altar. The boy knows what's going on here. I mean, even that in itself is phenomenal. Okay, but anyway, we know the story. He's going to take his son and offer him up, and, and he's going to be a sacrifice unto God. And, of course, we all know God says, stop. And there's a ram in the thicket. There's your sacrifice. Now I know that you're willing to offer up anything unto me. Now the word is real clear, amen, that he was willing to offer up his only begotten, which then turns and helps you and me because God is willing then to offer up His only begotten. Now, another sermon. But the point is, it was, if you really stop and you look at where this all went and where this came through, was a step of commitment unto God. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, are we willing to follow God, willing to obey God? Are we willing to, uh, to, to not let anything else you know, dictate our decisions, except God, right? Come on. Now, I, you know, again, there's, I mean, there's, a, there's godly counsel and godly, I get all that, but I'm talking about when you're going along, are you willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to not do what God asked because the world is pulling on you or because uh, some other, your family or something or is pulling on you, make a decision, amen, I'm doing it God way. Come on, somebody, right? All right. Are you willing to step past, uh, you know, this this place of, you know, where there's uh, where we're seeing where God, nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Where all things are possible. Praise God. You have to be willing to step past that and settle it. And then the last one, praise God, that you're committed. Everything about me, everything about my life, everything that I own, everything that I'm uh, you know, that, that I represent, everything that's, uh, that deals where my choice, decisions, everything affects 
I lay it at the feet of Jesus. Are you still with me? You say, well, why is that so important? Well, because we deal with things every day, and we have to make some quality choices every day. Stuff like attitudes. Stuff like offenses. We deal with them all the time. And if you haven't settled it, I'm committed unto the Lord, there's a good chance you're not going to take the higher road. Because you're more concerned about your feelings or how you've been wronged instead of saying it doesn't matter. Everything about my life is unto Him. So I pray for those who've misused me or I uh, bless those who've cursed me. I choose the higher road because I'm committed unto Him. Did you get something today? Yeah. Give the Lord a praise, everybody. Come on. Amen. Was it too serious for you tonight or that? All right. This is how we live, right? This is how we live. We live by faith. So why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. I've got an announcement for you. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. So I appreciate you letting me get through that one today. Thank you. Whew. Abraham was quite a guy. Amen. And I, I, the thing I love about the Word, probably more than, well, a lot of great things about the Word, but one of the things I love about the Word is... Uh, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. You see the great things that these folks have done, and you see even the times that they've missed it, times they slipped, and, and how God showed mercy and how God still did. Come on, somebody, and praise God. So no matter where you're at in your walk right now, amen, there ain't none of us in this house, none of us watching or listening by Internet, ain't none of us done it all right. But we're moving towards some things. Come on, somebody. We're taking some ground. We're taking some steps, praise God. And we're going to settle some things in our life, praise the Lord, and watch God do what God does. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we give you praise and glory once again. What a blessing and an honor it is to, Lord, just to meditate on your word and take these principles, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, even for the challenge tonight to take these steps and uh, to lean on you and everything, praise God. And Father, I give you praise for it. I thank you for a people that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. I thank you, Lord God, for a people, praise God, walking this, praise God, because they're a people of faith, walking by faith, praise God, and not by sight. And Father, we give you the praise and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.